You're with Julian on the Brown Note and a review of the 1967 album A Perfect Ten called Forever Changes by the band Love from Los Angeles formed in 1965 by Arthur Lee a Sly Stone kind of genius who formed this psych rock band proto-garage band and they had a very short main time frame of releasing two albums in 1966 called Love and De Capo, which are much more upbeat and in tune with the sort of impending summer of love. And the, the music was rockier. And then they recorded an album called Forever Changes in 1967. After that, the band disintegrated through mental health, through arguing, through drugs. And Arthur Lee himself was framed by a life troubled often by those things and including legal issues, occasionally sort of coming back to the fore. Love made other albums um, after 1969, but they were a different band. They didn't have the main lineup including Brian McLean who wrote some of the songs on this album and they were a rockier proposition and when Forever Changes came out in 1967 it wasn't a success um, it doesn't even sound like it came out in 1967 the recording and production is so modern sounding really compared to a lot of music that came out in 1967. Um, Bruce Botnick was the only other producer with Arthur Lee. They were on the label Elektra and the Doors were massive fans of them. This is one of my favorite albums of all time who I've listened to for 30 years and it has never stopped beguiling me in a multitude of ways. I think the most striking thing about Forever Changes is that at the height of the summer of love, when the positivity of the 1960s counterculture was in its highest swing, they released an album that sounded like it was released after the Rolling Stones' Altamont gig in 1969. It sounds like the most negative, paranoid, fever dream, acid come down of the 1960s. And here they were making this in 1967, completely out of step with their contemporaries. The other thing that really stands out here is that the instrumentation here is largely acoustic and heavily features a hugely imaginative use of strings and brass, which has only been rivaled by the Beatles. In fact, from a sonic level, this album often rivals, despite not going quite so far into the instrumentation of the likes of Pet Sounds, it certainly rivals the likes of Revolver. And it also predicts someone like Neil Young who arranges one of the songs on this album when Neil Young would go, and I think Neil Young was heavily influenced by this album, 
when he went into the Ditch trilogy of this very sort of dark, despairing music. And finally, the lyric and the arrangements as well. Uh, the arrangements on this album are continually breathtakingly imaginative. Songs do exactly enough to be considered great, but then do a whole lot more with middle eights and passages that go off into these incredible places. And the lyrics themselves, which I'm going to look at throughout the album, are magnificent. And the main band here is... When I can get to it, Arthur Lee, uh, who does the, the vocals and songwriting and guitars. Brian McLean, again, he writes a few of the songs and he does some, some of the lead vocals. Johnny Eccles, Ken Forsey on guitar and bass, and Michael Stewart Ware on drums. Uh, the Daily Planet's a track that um, Neil Young actually arranged, and it does relate to Neil Young several times. The, the album kicks off with a track called Alone Again Or, with the loneliest guitar on earth. A lonely, lonely guitar fragment. <clears throat> it's an incredibly beautiful piece of music. In fact, it's one of the greatest songs ever written, and it's the one by Brian McLean. <clears throat> and it tells a story of incredible loneliness and disillusionment that runs throughout the album but this this sounds like somebody who's had someone break up with them and it's that despondency has been reflected across the whole of the 60s um i didn't get the lyrics out for this one i think that people are the greatest fun is preceded by i heard somebody say i hear that people are the greatest fun and I will be alone again tonight, my dear. After a couple of verses, the mariachi shuffle gives way to a mariachi trumpet break, which is the finest eruption of brass, I think, in all of music. It's a truly momentously beautiful, stunning, sad song. Covered by the damned. Uh, and they got in the charts with it, which is a lot more than the band Love did. The second house, uh, second track, A House Is Not A Motel, is a lot more ominous and driving, um, and the lyrics as well. More confusions, blood transfusions, the news today will be the movies for tomorrow, and the waters turn to blood, and if you don't think so, go turn on your tub. The paranoia in this album is steeped through it, almost a schizophrenic paranoia, dread-fueled. And it's got a ripping electric guitar break in it as well, which builds up in intensity towards the end, even though much of this album is um, based around acoustic guitars and very acoustic-sounding bass and low-key drumming. It does let rip occasionally with electric guitars. Uh, Alone Again, or uh, sorry, A More Again, the uh, track three, is really beautiful. Um, it's it's almost prettier than a Nick Drake track. It's absolutely lovely. I think um, McLean sings that one. And when you've given all you had and everything still turns out bad and your secrets are your own. 
and it goes again it could have been fine as it was and a lot of these tracks hover around three and a half minutes but it still goes through lots of different modulations of different passages which elevate it even further the fourth track is the first straight rocker on the album the daily planet which is the one that neil young arranged i can see you with no face um and it's got this sort of, it's, it even though it's a straightforward rocker by the halfway stage the wheels sound like they're coming off and the intensity starts to get a little bit nightmarish and a little bit carnival um carny creepy sort of vibe it's a track that could have for me it, the, uh, some of the rockier tracks on here could have fit into the album revolver by the beatles quite well old man is another really even though it's got quite an insistent sort of bass drums kick at the start it's got that and more again beauty to it and it's called old man and again this neil young presence it neil young's track old man is old man sitting by the side of the road isn't that far away from this lyric it's definitely you're meeting an old man who's who's giving you wisdom um and it's it's similar in a lyrical focus though quite a few years before that harvest track and it's got a lovely bass as well the bass is is often really nice on this it's beautifully recorded which is another reason why it doesn't quite sound like it was made in 1967 it's, it's it's so clean clinically cleanly beautifully recorded the centerpiece of the album is the red telephone and that's the one that made me think the most about the movie the um jacob's ladder which is this vietnam fever dream film and a lot of this album does touch on this massive disillusionment with vietnam and again it's slightly ahead of the impending process protests that would be happening about the vietnam war which would grow in intensity towards the end of the 60s for an opening and it's it's got this incredibly ins insistent and evocative acoustic guitar combined with what sounds like a harpsichord riff and I think the red telephone itself was something to do with um, a hotline to the FBI or something like that. But the opening verse, sitting on a hillside, watching all the people die, I feel much better on the other side. It's pretty dark. I don't know how, if I am living or if I'm dying. This is so Jacob's Ladder. Sometimes my life is so eerie, and if you think I'm happy, paint me, and it says white, yellow, pink, all at once. Which reminds me of Revolution by the, the Beatles, Count Me Out. And in that song, John Lennon says, count me out and in at the same time, and so he's ambivalent. Later in this song, they change that line to count me out and emphatically say, count me out. The disillusionment runs through this album it's a stunning track and it's full of incredible beauty um the arrangement can continually shifts it's got multiple parts over about four and a half minutes um and it sort of descends into this fever dream towards the end it's it's got even though it's got this sort of um, madness to it it's got some really incredibly musically beautiful midsections um it's a stunning piece of music and thematically and lyrically 
the centerpiece of the album. We get back to uh, another couple of straight rockers. Maybe the people would be the times between Clark and Hildale. It's got, um, even though it's a more straightforward rock, it's got this really nice syncopated rhythm going on and a kind of Latin shuffle, which is really offset by a, a Latin guitar sounding break, which um, kicks off and gets really quite um, intense towards the end as it, it grows in uh, volume. Um, what's this track? I've forgotten the name of it. Live, live and Let Live has got some very striking lyrics as well. It opens with, The snot has caked against my pants. It has turned into crystal. There's a bluebird sitting on my branch. I guess I'll take my pistol. I've got it in my hand because he's on my land. It's a song that references um, Native Americans and Vietnam and the idea of killing people that are on your land. I've seen you sitting on my couch. I recognize your artillery. I've seen you many times before. Once when I was an Indian and I was on my land. And it references the, the Americans being in Vietnam and sort of juxtaposes those with the thoughts of the American Indians and the Americans being on their land. Um, it's pretty dramatic the way it changes up as well. So it's another song that it would be perfectly great, but um, really gets quite dramatic at the halfway stage. We have a massive change. And again, the electric guitar is wheeled out for some blistering uh, riffs. And the um, penultimate track is quite, sorry, not the penultimate, the um, third from last track, The Good Humor Man, He Sees Everything Like This. Is a, it's almost like a gentle whimsy come down, but then it's about mocking someone that sees the good in everything, which is so this album. So it's got these nonsense lyrics, but it's actually still quite acidic in its barbs. So it's got this guy walking around who, you know, what a beautiful day, children playing in the park, but it's just mocking him. The penultimate track, Bummer in the Summer, could have been the title track of the album. Uh, it kind of is a de facto title track and it's got this really um, blonde on blonde era Bob Dylan like positively 4th Street sort of vibe about it um, it's quite barbarous um, the last track you set the scene the longest track is the answer to side one we're back in the era of vinyl and the red telephone ended side one and it's an epic that ends the final side in such dramatic and beautiful fashion it's it's kind of a remake of the red telephone but sonically quite different so it's got it's got again at times it's got that same sort of descending harpsichord acoustic riff but it's got this really throbbing bass that lifts off and it's an absolute epic um, and it's full of these really incredible soul breakdowns that almost predict psychedelic soul coming onto the scene and again some really striking lyrics um, there's a private in my boat and he wears pins instead of medals on his coat and it's a song that isn't as drum is isn't as hopeless as a lot of the album it seems to see some positivity in the world but from a very dark perspective um, 
you think you're happy and you are happy that's what you're happy for there's a man who can't decide if he should fight for what his father thinks is right there are people wearing frowns who'll screw you up but they would rather screw you down I ask for nothing and get nothing in return And then it sort of has this resignation to it, which is, is trying to be positive from this very dark place. This is the time in life that I am living and I'll face each day with a smile given I've been, uh, for the time that I've been given such a little while. And this is actually delivered positively. This is the only thing I am sure of. And that's that all that lives is gonna die. And there'll always be somebody here to wonder why. And for every happy hello, there will be goodbye it is a miraculously brilliant album um, it's unique in its sound which is closest I think to Van Morrison's Astral Weeks which is my favorite album of all time and this is very close to that in its usage of a lot of acoustic instrumentation and the drums being almost jazz soft but um, driving at the same time but not rock rock even when it sort of rears up with the guitar licks they use so sparingly the lyrics are so often profound and moving and it's obviously coming from very a very um sincere place from a group of people that are absolutely disillusioned and in the middle of an incredible existential crisis and even though it might be actually um the 13th floor elevators around the time of is it easter uh, the second album having this sort of existential crisis in the 60s before it was really happening to everyone else. And for me, um, back in 2003, I had one of the nights of my life with my brother. Um, we had well, one of the weekends of my life. I've lucked out both times I've been to the Glastonbury Festival. I went in 20, uh, 1995 and uh, that was when the pulp stood in for the stone roses and it was an amazing weekend but i went in 2003 with my brother at the last minute and on the saturday night we had peak flaming lips and peak radiohead back to back on the main stage and on the other stage i watched the band love and obviously not all of the main members because brian mclean had died many years before and some of the band members looked suspiciously young but to see arthur lee play forever changes in full on that stage at Glastonbury in a beautiful sunny sunset evening. It made me cry my eyes out and it was just the most beautiful experience and there was hardly anyone watching them. Um, it's one of the few gigs I've actually just like cried at watching. I was just so overwhelmed and felt very, very lucky because he died about three or four years after that. So an absolute standout, hugely influential album with an incredible thematic core, which was way ahead of the curve. Amazing songwriting, which is probably the number one thing that sticks out, aided and abetted by incredible instrumentation and arrangements. Um, just an, a, an incredible, perfect piece of music I've heard a thousand times, not really, but probably 500. Um, so 10 out of 10 for love, forever changes. <laughs>